All Around the West, Episode 6, Craters of the Moon National Monument. Hey everybody, this is Scott and Sue from AllAroundTheWest.com. And today we have a great episode about our visit to Craters of the Moon National Monument. So I hope you enjoy that. And I hope that you'll take a minute to go the other places that you can find us. Facebook, Pinterest, Flickr, Tumblr, um, YouTube. And check us out there as well. We've got uh, videos and pictures and all sorts of things for you to enjoy. If you go to allaroundthewest.com and look at the top, I've got links to all of those places. I hope you enjoy this. We'd like to tell you about our trip to Craters of the Moon National Monument. We visited here a couple of years ago, and we went the 1st of April, and there was snow on the ground. In fact, the snow was so deep, it was over the top of the picnic tables around the area. The loop trail was, loop road was closed. The ranger said we could walk in as far as we wanted to, and so we left our car there at the visitor center, <laughs> and we started walking, and it was really, really cold. <laughs> It blow the wind blows up in this in that area uh, quite a bit, and it was cold. We had coats, but not really good coats. I mean, not really heavy winter coats because we hadn't expected to be out in Arctic weather, and so we did. We got a little ways up the road, and then we finally gave up. But it was interesting to see what we could see of uh, some black rocks sticking through the snow so we said okay we need to go back to craters of the moon sometime during the summer when we can actually hike and we can actually see things it's quite a bit different in the summer isn't it yes it is so i had also visited here before when i was about 16 and i found it a very interesting place then it seemed like a different world to me uh, there's this huge, huge area covered with all manner of volcanic rock and flows and cones and hills. And, and there's areas that just seem like they would be completely impassable. And so it's just, it was always interesting to me. And, uh, uh, I uh, was anxious to come back as well, and it was fun to go back and look at some of the things that I had seen before and uh, do some of the things that we did before, but I wasn't able to do some of the things that I did back then, and we'll talk about that a little later. So interesting historical note about Craters of the Moon, the name, it was named long before uh, anybody had been able to walk on the moon or been to the moon, obviously, and it was named that because of the view through a telescope kind of looked similar. And it, obviously once Apollo 11 landed on the moon and walked, they discovered it was completely different. Although the Apollo 12 crew, which was the second crew that walked on the moon, was actually sent here to Craters of the Moon before their moonwalk to walk around and to kind of see the geology and get used to walking on uneven ground. So that was kind of interesting. Hmm, that is interesting. I've always thought it seemed like the moon, and uh, I know it's not really, but that's what it seemed like to me, particularly at the time. So um, today it was quite warm uh, and a little different than our trip here a couple years ago. 
and we went on uh, one, two, three, four, five, five different hikes, and I added a, another one on that Sue rested during. So should we talk about each of those? Yeah, so there's a driving route road, the, the loop road that goes all the way through, so you can auto-tour the park, and there are stops along the way and a nice map that the uh, National Park service gives you that has stops along the way with some little shorter and longer hikes so the we hit all the major stops along the tour except for one the cave area and we'll tell you why in a minute Um, so the first one or the first couple three are short they're easy just little you know paved they're short easy little hikes the north crater lava flow uh trail you can see well i'll let scott talk about what you can see there well he's the geology guy (laughs) i i I studied geology in college i do computers or software engineering now but um so there's there's two main kinds of lava pohoihoi and aa and uh, pohoihoi is the more kind of fluid flowy ropey looking stuff and the ah uh-uh is the sharper, um, um, jagged, jagged, yeah, um, lava. And you can see both of those kinds here along this trail. And, and in addition, um, there is some other very interesting volcanic features in this area, as there is throughout the entire park. I mean, it's just is just covered with different types of volcanic features. And here you can see things like. Um, squeeze-ups they call it where there was a crack in the lava at the top that had um, that had kind of cooled and then pressure had built up in the lava underneath and it squoze up through that crack and then spread out on top and you can see evidences of that here you can also see pressure ridges where uh, those cracks were formed but a lava didn't squeeze up through them and it left these these uh, cracks that are now homes to animals uh, there's also a very interesting part of the crater wall when this lava was flowing out from the nearby um, cr- uh, volcano. Part of the crater wall was blown out and or, or collapsed, and big, huge pieces of it flowed down, were rafted down on top of the lava and are resting down, resting now in that particular area. And they're large. Yeah, I'm not talking about... Uh, we're talking about house size, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, that tall anyway, not not car size or or you know boulder size. They're huge, and it was just carried down. So that's an interesting feature that's on display there. Yeah, it was very interesting. So again, a really uh, easy hike, not strenuous, paved. The Devil's Orchard Nature Trail is uh, again totally level, paved. I think it was paved, paved, um, and. It goes through a cinder area where there's some uh, islands of lava pieces that you can see through the the cinder areas. The cinders are like little tiny small yeah. pieces of basalt. Right. Um, so that was kind of interesting to see the vegetation all through there. And one thing to note maybe is that every one of these trail signs had very detailed information about the length how much elevation gain you got, how much you dropped, the slope, you know, uh, how, how steep it was, and a lot of information for those who might be disabled 
to allow them to figure out whether they could go on that trail or not, how, how wide the trail was, how big the ruts were in the trail. I mean, a whole bunch of information to help those who are going on the trail. Yeah. Uh, we also went to the, again, really short, I, I don't know if you could even classify them as hikes, but little tiny. They're about 250 feet, if yeah, I remember. Right, that's, from that's the all. parking lot up to. Not even a football field. Right, up to um, some uh, spatter cones and uh, one called the snow cone. Yeah, so the spatter cones are where the um, uh, pieces of, or the globs of lavas that are being uh, sent out through a, a vent were, were uh, falling down on top of one another just like piece like a spatter like you do on your wall when you spatter it right with with uh, texture and they're just falling down on top of one another and building up this cone of of this the spattering and uh, some of them are about 100 feet high and uh, I think they said about a couple hundred feet and around and so you can see some very very good examples of that one of them uh, has a well actually both of them have a bit of a hole down in the middle yeah you can look down look down and one of them has uh, is called the snow cone and it is called that because there is usually ice or snow in it all year round and there was when we were there yeah end of July yeah, yeah. end of July so the uh, the snow cone hardly any elevation up to that one that little short of uh, the spatter cone it is kind of a little a little steep, steep area but super short yeah. so Definitely. You can slowly go up there and make it up, and it's quite interesting to go. You go, it kind of curves right around the spatter cone, and you get up right inside and can look down, and quite interesting. So uh, that snow cone trail also meets up with the, um, nor- the North Crater Trail. Right, the North and Crater Trail, yep. I sat out that, and Scott walked a little ways on that. Yeah, so that will take you all the way back to the North Crater, which is the next to the the North Crater Lava Flows Trail that we talked about at first. It's about a three and a half mile trail, but I went on, I would guess about a mile. And it takes you up to and alongside the top, uh, the ridge of two very large craters. And there may have been more past that, I don't know. Very large craters uh, in, you know, down in the middle of what used to be the volcanoes. And so that was really interesting. I don't know how deep they were. I would guess they were, oh, a good 100 yards deep. Two, two or three hundred yards, two or two or three hundred feet deep, I would guess, but I don't know that for sure. I didn't go down in, <laughs> <laughs> but steep hike. It's not paved except for the very first part, and then you're walking on a cinder path. Uh, it was, um, it's, it's not an easy hike, and you definitely need to have be prepared for that one. But some interesting things to look at along the way there, and some like like many of these these trails that go high, some stunning views from up on, up on top. So speaking of stunning views, we stopped uh, again another one of the stops with the parking lot along the paved along the auto, the road. Yeah. <laughs> the the loop, auto tour. Yeah, yeah, thank you. The loop road uh, is Inferno Cone. So this is not for the faint of heart. This is a a hike where you you hike right up the side of a very large cinder cone. So it's completely all those uh, cinders the little small pieces and it is really steep yeah (laughs) it's a it's a good size hike it's about a half mile up there they said and it's it's uh it's a good uh good good hike up there 
Um, make sure you break some water because you'll want it at the top. I guarantee it. So up at the top was quite interesting. There's so you you see the cinder cone and it's it just looks like a big giant pile of cinder. Although um, the north sides of the cinder cones generally have more the snow uh, drifts there more, and so there's more water and there's more vegetation usually on the north sides. The south sunny sides are drier and there's less vegetation. So you see uh, just this big giant hill of cinders. But up on top, which was more kind of the towards the north, it's kind of like a little oasis up on top. There's larger, larger, I want to say boulders, I guess boulders, and trees. And mm -hmm. so you can kind of flat, you can walk around and see all sides of the view. Right. And, and like I said, just like at the North Rim Trail, it's a stunning view from up there. You can see uh, all over the park. You can see a long distances uh, to both the, the south and the east and the west. There's mountains on the north. Um, one thing that, so you can see the Great Rift there where all of the, uh, the lava and some of the other features, the other cinder cones that are there originated from. And, and that's a great view from up there. Two notable things that you can see from up there too. Actually, you can see it from below the cone, uh, an inferno cone, or a, a, a shield volcano, which is um, more like some of the volcanoes in Hawaii. Uh, it's kind of a, a low sloping volcano where the, the lava kind of bubbles out the top and just runs down the side, you know, and goes out to a very gradual slope, very wide. Um, very gradual slope, but very wide. And you can see a great example of that way off to the east. And also the kapuka. You can see an example of a kapuka. Do you remember what that was? A kapuka is a raised area where the lava, high enough that the lava flow went around that raised area, maybe a hill. And because uh, the lava did not go over the top of it, the vegetation on top is uh, preserved and it's usually not grazed or and livestock is not on it and animals not quite so much because they can't get across the lava field to get to it and so uh, the scientists use that as a kind of a pristine early vegetation area to be able to see what it was like before the uh, veg the lava and then to be able to compare that Kapuka vegetation with the vegetation that's growing in other parts of the park. Yeah, so it's kind of a pristine area that they can study. Yeah, so that's interesting. Two very good examples of that. You can see uh, very well from the top, but you can also see from the bottom. Okay, that was Inferno Cone. And compared to the 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 the, um, the smatter cones, it's a very, like I said, very long hike. So be prepared for that one. Yeah, very steep. If you have heart or problems, steep. Not so long, but steep. Yeah, steep. If you have heart problems or breathing problems or anything like that, um, you might want to go really slow, or yeah. or you might want to skip that one. But it's a great view. But it's, it's a worth great doing. View. Yeah. So uh, we moved on on the auto road to the Tree Molds Trail, which was uh, quite interesting because uh, you can see molds of trees and the lava right and so you hike up a, a hill and it's it's not a difficult hike it's about a mile there and a mile back uh you you hike right along for about half of it right along the edge of a huge 
river of uh, lava. And you get to a point where there are evidences of the lava flowing around trees that were there in the area. And as the trees would, obviously because of the heat, would burn, turn to ash, and then disappear, but they left the mold, that, uh, sorry, they left the impression, the, the space that was there. So you can see a very distinct mold of where the tree used to be. You can see, we saw two, three, I think, where trees had been, were standing up, four trees were standing up, and uh, you could look down in and see the hole. And then we saw, went to another place, and you could see where the trees were fallen down, and they were resting there on top of the lava. And you could even see the uh, impression of the bark that was there, yeah. or the skin of the tree. Very distinct impressions. And so that was really interesting. So there's you hike out, and then there's kind of two areas, and there's great signage out there. So you get to one area that says just a little sign says tree molds and so you look that look there but then look to your left and you'll see the trail kind of goes on a little ways and there's uh the the really deep one and then the the horizontal ones so make sure you kind of see all that while you're down there don't miss that right some of the one of the great examples of volcanic features or or impacts um, from volcanic activity that are that are in the park and there's quite a number of them and, and those are a few of them and that's so, great that, hike. that's a cinder path, path as two, well. Right. So you need you need good hiking shoes really for a lot of these um, non-paved trails because those cinder trails they're kind of tough on your shoes I and mean, that you know the the lava is hard and um, slidey, <laughs> slippery. So right. good 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 shoes with good traction will help you stand you in good stead and it's windy so uh and sunny and hot in the summer so water and sunscreen and lip balm maybe a hat all those things will stand you in good stead when you're out hiking and we've only mentioned some of the features there are quite a number of others in areas of the park uh, volcanic features that would be interesting to go see uh, there was one area we didn't go see. Yeah, Scott was disappointed about that because he'd been looking forward to seeing the caves. Yeah, the caves. So there's a number of caves that have been created, one by what they call the classic lava tubes, uh, one area, and uh, that's where the, the, the top of um, a lava flow is cooled down, but underneath it's liquid enough that it keeps flowing and uh, leaves a tube behind as it, as it goes and continues on. And there's uh, quite a, a four or five of those in the park. And I remember going to at least some of those when I visited that park in 1976. And they had an alert in, in place. And it was because of the, um, one of the viruses that's been um, causing problems with bats. And so if you had visited a cave or a mine since 2005, that's eight years ago, then they wanted to, you couldn't be wearing any of the same uh, shoes, clothes, take the same camera, anything that had been in any of those caves or mines since then uh, into, the, into these caves. And we had just visited a cave two weeks ago, Lewis and Clark Caverns in Montana. And, uh, and I had been to a mine in Butte also, uh, just not a couple days ago. A few days ago. So evidently the spores are long lasting, yeah. the ranger said stay on your clothes whatever and and so washing isn't even good enough 
you know, for the clothes. They, they won't let you brush it off or wash it off. They want you wearing different clothes and different shoes and not taking your camera and you're not taking other things that have been into those other caves with them. So that was a disappointment. If you're going to the caves, then you may, you, you want to go to the caves, then you want to take precautions, be aware of that, that you will not be allowed to go in if you haven't, uh, if you've been in any other caves in the last, since 2005, unless you've where you can tell them that you're wearing things that you didn't wear in that cave, those previous caves. You're not taking anything in. Right. So that was our visit to Craters of the Moon National Monument. Um, So some interesting things about um, also the plant life and animal life there. mm -hmm. Um, It it seems like a very forbidding area, and it is. (laughs) Like from another planet, right? Right. And uh, so... Is there plant life there? Yeah, there is. Not a lot of different plant life, but there is plant life that has adapted itself to having very little moisture and quite a bit of heat. Um, In fact, this the sunny on a sunny day, the south side of a cinder cone can be as high as 150 degrees. So super hot. Not very much moisture, 12 to 16 inches of rain a year there at the National Monument. So a lot of the plants have adapted. And one that's really common all over the park that we saw quite a lot of is dwarf buckwheat. And it's a very small, low-to-the-ground plant. And it grows in what they call cinder gardens. Uh, You see the plant evenly spaced really all throughout uh, big areas of cinders. And the reason that they're spaced so far apart is that the plant is just a small, uh, what you see in the cinder garden is probably, I don't know, like four or five inches apart, would you say? In diameter. In diameter, a little round bunch of leaves and um, a few little flowers. But underneath the cinders, They've adapted to grow a root system that's about three feet in mm, diameter. Didn't know that. So they have spaced they space themselves out because they have to have all that room underneath in order to be able to get water and stuff. So interesting ways that plants adapt in order to grow. You know, we talk about life will find a way. Well, it does. So interesting. Yeah. And I know there's wildlife you can see. The rangers was talking to some of the kids at the visitor center when we when we walked in and about different some of the different things that they can see. Yeah, we saw some birds. I don't know what they were, but we right. did see some birds and some little chipmunk type uh, creatures. Mm-hmm. Not sure what they were either, but we saw those as well. Okay, well, Craters of the Moon National Monument. It's located on Highway 93 between Cary and Arco, Idaho. It's open all year round. Uh, some of the roads are not accessible by automobile mid-November, uh, between the middle of November to the middle of April. Uh, but it's interesting, the, those, uh, some of those roads are groomed and you can um, ski on them. Cross-country, Cross-country ski. Cross-country ski yeah, on them. Like yeah, like in January and February, they said it was about the best time for that. There is a visitor center there that has some good information. It's open 8 to 4.30 at least all year round. And then they have extended hours in the summer, which is Memorial Day through Labor Day. And those are 8 to 6. And it costs $8 to get in. And when the loops close in the winter, then it's free to get in. The annual passes are accepted. And they do have camping available. They have 51 sites if you're interested in camping at Craters of the Moon National Monument. Uh, if you check allaroundthewest.com for more details, and uh, then, then we'll, uh, we'll have some links there that will help you find what you need. So... Um, 
that's it for our visit to Craters of the Moon National Monument. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. And this is the podcast for allaroundthewest.com. Where's your next adventure?